I'm Colton. And I'm Kalen. And, and this is the Future of Thought. What is a sport? I define a sport as something where two teams of people are at odds striving to complete a similar objective against one another in most cases. There may not even be two teams at odds per se, but perhaps there is a single team or a single person who is trying to reach a certain objective. I think that's super loose, but when most people think of sports, me included, the first thing that pops into my head is like football and soccer. Um, But when I think about it a little bit more in depth, even some things like weightlifting pop up or even, I'm not actually sure what it's called, but like shooting or archery right? I think a lot of people consider those sports and there's not necessarily an enemy team there. So that's really interesting because if you look at the definition commonly purported by whether it's the Oxford dictionary or just common nomenclature, there's a key aspect that you're not including in your definition. And that may be intentional, but it's physical activity and skill. Commonly people think of a sport as like you said, an individual or team competition that involves physical exertion, you know, so weightlifting, for example, physical exertion, basketball, football, golf, whatever. Um, They're all to varying degrees of physical exertion and different types of skill sets, but that is a facet of it. So what do you think allows one to be able to exclude that physical exertion in something like esports, which will uh, be something we're unpacking today? It's an interesting it's an interesting debate. One that that typically sparks controversy controversy in, in older generations especially. I actually didn't know that the most common definition for sports pretty much excluded anything that wasn't physical. I wasn't aware of that actually, so that, that's interesting. But Obviously, you you already mentioned the term, but esports are an up and coming avenue of entertainment uh, that is, you know, it has sports in the title. It's often regarded as, you know, an electronic version of these physical competitions. And so, you know, hopefully, hopefully, I I tackle what you put forth not too long ago. But when I look at an esport, I also consider it a sport because. There's two ways, actually, that you can look at this, and I don't really look at it um, in both ways, but there, are, these two ways are the ways that I've seen it brought forth to me, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I see first. So, you know, it takes a lot of strategy and a lot of skill to compete in a lot of esports. Typically, you'll hear games like Overwatch, League of Legends, Counter Strike Global Offensive. Um, Dota 2, uh, these games require a lot of memorization and a lot of putting all of this knowledge into practical use when you're playing. And on top of that, you need to communicate with people and strategize against the enemy. And so when I look at esports, I see a realm that is just as complex, in my opinion, as physical sports. I wouldn't say more, I wouldn't say less, because there's a lot of strategy in physical sports too. And all that crazy physical training that you're doing in physical sports, you're not doing in esports. And that on its own is a whole avenue of you know strategizing, development, and, and practice. But the other way to look at it is that esports are also a sport because you're commanding lots of electronic physical exertion. <laughs> I guess you could look at it look at it that way. Like some people view paintball as a sport. If you were to imagine Overwatch, right? I mean it's really no different than a game of paintball just on a computer screen. So you could classify it a sport because technically there are these fake figures that are physically exerting themselves in your game. So if you if you care about the physical aspect, 
that's kind of a wonky perspective, but you could also view it as that. And, and that's interesting because there's a, a common argument made, and you've made something similar, about esports taking the same amount of energy and time, and they're just as competitive, and they require just as much skill. I mean, whether that's expressed physically or not, obviously, is different. But something that gets overlooked is, let's say basketball. This is a great example of just a generic sport. Basketball is a sport at any level, no matter how you play it. And then in the NBA, it doesn't become a super sport. It's just the best players playing the sport. But I suspect a lot of people would be hesitant to say anyone who plays a video game is playing a sport by definition. Not just the team aspects. Because if you say it's just the team aspects, you're saying just the NBA is a sport, but not pick up basketball. Does that distinction? Yeah, no, uh, that makes perfect sense, and I've never actually heard that that argument before, and so that's super interesting. Yeah, even I don't look at recreational gaming as a sport, right? I don't pick up League of Legends one day and think of it in my head as playing a sport. So that that's an interesting distinction you made, and. I guess the question here is whether or not we should be, or if it even matters, if we should be looking at recreational play of competitive games like this as, you know, practicing a sport. Because these games do take practice. Um, I'm not a good player. I will go as far as to say I'm not a good player when it comes to League of Legends, but I've played for four years. And to reach the level that the best players are at requires playing the game a whole ass load. Um, so, I, I'm i not sure what it would take to get people to perceive the practice as, you know, practicing a sport. Because in my opinion, most people don't play basketball or league to become the best of the best. Usually it's for fun or maybe to fine tune some skills. And in both regards, I don't see a difference in the intent, you know. Most of the time you're looking to have fun. Um so in terms of basketball or like football, you'd also be practicing a sport in essence. So I can't see why the same logic wouldn't apply to electronic sports. Yeah, and it's possible I'm making a a difference without a real practical distinction. Uh, it could just be simply semantics that society ends up not calling non-pro gamers uh, athletes. There's a double negative in there. I hope I said that right. Uh, and it's also possible to say that people who play horse in the driveway are playing a sport. It, it may simply be a characterization game that doesn't really affect the world. But I was curious if, if you had any thoughts on that because... This thought actually just came to my mind as you were talking. I just had never heard that argument expressed, whether in opposition to it or in favor of it. And I thought it was interesting. And there are others as well. Another one that you might know more about than me is making a living from esports, hmm. or if you just want to call them sports online. I mean, you might not have to make another characterization. And for those who don't know, and again, I'm sure, Kaylin, you can unpack this further, sports, uh, esports rather, such as League of Legends, a common game, you can make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Am I am I correct in stating that? Oh, yeah, that? you're absolutely correct. So I don't know the exact numbers. Uh, I could pull them up, but uh, I think the numbers I'll say here are probably a safe estimate. But I think... The winning team of... There's a big world championship for League of Legends where the best teams from each region in the world... So, you know, you have North America, Europe, um, and you know, Korea, China, and they all have their own unique names. <clears throat> but I think it was a few million dollars as a prize, right? And that's nowhere near, like, uh, large-scale competitive sports in organizations like the NFL or <clears throat> or any other large-scale professional sport league. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
but it's still quite a bit of money, right? Two million dollars is nothing to 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 look at lightly. And splitting that across the team, each player ends up receiving a few hundred thousand dollars. Um, I don't know if there's a taxation process. They could be receiving half of that or even thirds. But at the end of the day, you're still looking at you know for one year a few hundred thousand dollars, which makes you pretty pretty darn well off. So. I've definitely heard the controversy around this topic in particular, right? Should we be paying players to sit down and play video games? Well, if, and this is how I view it, if you're like a 45-year-old man and you're middle-aged, of course it's going to sound absolutely ridiculous that someone could sit down and play something and make money off it, right? Because I think in a lot of people's minds who are in that age group, right, and I could even extend this to like 30 you know, people in their 30s, all the way to people in their, like, 70s, 80s, all that, all the older generations that are currently alive, you know, you can look back and remember when the Atari came out, and like, oh, this was fun when I was, like, 12 or 13, why are people making money doing this kid's crap, you know, and the, the, the line of reasoning makes sense to me, but I, I, I think, I think, that line of reasoning is spawned mostly out of misunderstanding, right? Because playing Pong with your brother on an Atari is not nowhere as hard as playing League of Legends competitively, right? And maybe I'm undermining professional Pong players out there, but... <laughs> well, and this actually dives into a slightly different component here. Less about is it a sport and more... What is the problem or is there a problem with the societal acceptance of something that is commonly perceived as childish? Let, let's characterize it as such. And frankly, it's hard to think anything other than the economic game is going to win out. Because as you said, uh, it sounds like League of Legends players make quite a bit of money and I'm sure other games do as well. But it's not as much as the NBA, let's say, right? Well, the NBA has a lot more fans. It's supply and demand at the most basic level. Right. So at a certain point, it might be fair to say how it's categorized is not really important. It doesn't matter what you call it. Uh, a spade's a spade, right? You could call it whatever you want. So at a certain point, it may just be an economic facet of the 21st century that, okay, here's a new genre of entertainment in the world. You might call it a sport, you might not. But as it becomes increasingly popular, and this pandemic has uh, increased its rates of growth as well, it might not matter if it's called a sport. And if that's the case, and if you are willing to to accept that, I want to know your thoughts on, is it okay to accept something that was originally designed for children as, as adults? Is there any kind of moral or societal implication of that that you can think of? Or is it simply a stigma that will likely shed over time? Right. Okay. So I, I'll tell you what I hope happens. I hope it's a stigma that is shed over time. Something that, that breaks down as people realize what's actually happening. I kind of think of it this way, right? When I was a kid, I'd also go outside and play soccer with my brother every day. I'd also go outside and play football with my brother every day. I think what ends up happening is that we're so historically used to seeing big people or very athletic people in a more serious manner, especially when they're playing sports that we're more familiar with. And, you know, when you look at football players or basketball players, they're usually, you know, they have insanely impressive physical attributes, right? Some basketball players are two feet taller than me, and then some. And to me, I would look, to them, I would look like a child. And football players, they are so massive. They're like, they're, they're like giants, you know? And I mean that in the best possible way. It's impressive. It's awesome. But I, in my opinion, it really comes down to what, what more people have been used to over time. And I think a lot of the reason why people look at video games and esports as childish is because the generation that that's growing up with 
this facet of life is still in their youth. I think that's what's happening. So I think there should be a culture slash societal shift if um, if the companies and the producers of these tournaments and these teams continue to make entertainment um, continue to make these tournaments entertaining. That requires a lot of marketing. Uh, you know the same the same crap as regular sports, in my opinion. And at the end of the day, it might create a name of its own, which I'm certainly okay with. If it does, I think we're in the same boat in regards to um, how we view the meaning of the name, in which we think there's not that much. Right? It could be called whatever the hell it wants to be called. So. I think it's growing, right? If in the league community, there's a lot of people that are talking about how the game is slowing down. There's less people playing, and that's because, you know, I'll go on a little rant here so that way I can educate the audience uh, and maybe fill you in on stuff you haven't heard me talk about before on League of Legends. So, the game has a hundred, hundred and I think I could say a hundred and twenty-five plus characters to play. I don't know the exact number. I may have overestimated. But with each character comes a whole slew of skills that you have to learn. You have to learn how to use them. You have to learn where they go on the battlefield, uh, so to speak. And the best players know everything or know quite a bit about almost all of them. And that takes hours upon hours of training, memorization, playing, you know, this... this, uh, learning loop that you have to go through is pretty intensive and the reason why a lot of people think that league of legends which is the world's biggest esport as far as i'm aware i i think league of legends flaunts that when they run their their tournaments live on twitch.tv or youtube for example there's usually ads that are like world's number one esport people are worrying that is dying off because the game changes every season every year the rules change and that's why i think esports are in a precarious spot right now and why even if it becomes culturally acceptable i think esports might struggle to grow and that's because with football and basketball your rules change in on the outskirts the very outlying rules or maybe one rule that was pretty big in the last season changes you know it could be like helmets in football, for example, the way helmets are built, that was changed. Um, how many yards you get after a uh, return punt, um, if if it goes into the end zone or goes beyond the end zone, you know, those are really, in my opinion, those aren't entirely game changing. It changes quite a bit. It changes the dynamics of physical sports quite a bit because an extra five yards can mean a huge difference, but. In the grand scheme of things, you're still playing the same game, right? There's the same strategies you can adopt or the new strategies you can build towards will still be effective because it's based on the same groundwork. In League of Legends and most esports, with new updates and patches, they're essentially changing the groundwork. And so all of your professionals have to relearn. All of the players have to relearn. And so it becomes extremely difficult to keep a hold on an audience, in my opinion. Um, that's my personal take and that, and that's why I think people are kind of fearing it might die out a little bit. And so I I may have gone on a complete side tangent here, Colton, and I apologize if I did, but I, I thought, I think that was interesting and important to pull up. It sounds like from what you're saying and, and from what knowledge I have from research and, and things like that, as well as some experience, but certainly not not to the same level as you, there are two major advantages that physical sports in the traditional sense have over esports or competitive gaming. The first, and I would argue most notable, is the genetic and social advantages that physical athletes have. And what I mean by that is, if you look at social class structures in the hierarchies of society, if you want to frame it as that who is at the top wealthy people 
people who are the most attractive, people who have the greatest influence. So you look at athletes, and they immediately, and maybe wealth is a bigger factor than I'm accounting for, they immediately have a social status to them. Just look at your average middle school or high school or college. They're not any wealthier than anyone else on the campus, for all intents and purposes, but they are extremely popular. So they get the, you know, they get invites to the best parties, the most attractive boyfriends or girlfriends, and that's just how the system is. And I would argue partially that's socialized and genetic preferences for large people who are really fit and everyone watches them and is entertained by them. Uh, and I just think that's a really vital aspect of it that gamers don't have. Because you look at a, the average stereotype, the archetype of a gamer, it's some, let's go extreme here, overweight dude in his 30s living in his grandma's basement. That's obviously a huge generalization. And as this pandemic has taught us, a lot more people play video games, whether to escape reality or simply to supplement it than we previously imagined. But this stereotype holds true. And that's not a stereotype that subconsciously in the human brain, whether it's socialized or genetic, you can't really compete with a six foot eight shredded human being in one sense. And then I think there's another uh, advantage that physical athletes have. And you hit on this in your previous comment. The rules are so steady. And I would argue that's just because of time. But uh, I was, I've become quite interested in speed running, which is basically finishing a game as fast as possible. You could even categorize it as an e-sport in one sense, but it's an individual sport and you're just getting the fastest times, right? And there's some really interesting documentaries and videos you'll find online. It's, it's just a fascinating group that a lot of people don't know about. And their biggest problems over time have been changing regulatory bodies, institutions from Twin Galaxies. Uh, Guinness tried to throw their hand in there, but they were not well respected uh, and so forth. And the rules change, like you said. You could go and have a someone who's in charge of the the game, let's say they call them a moderator or, or whatever the correct term is, and they change the rule set for the next season, as you said, it's completely different. It's not consistent. And again, I, I would attribute that to its youth, but it is valuable. If basketball decided, you know what, the hoop is going to change heights every year, and this year you have to dribble left-handed. Maybe that's an extreme comparison, but in some cases of speed running or in some competitive sports, it might not be a huge exaggeration. You're still putting a, a ball through a hoop, are you not? You're still uh, defeating the enemy in a video game, are you not? So uh, I'm curious what you think about these two claims, and, and I'll clarify them again. Uh, it's that athletes, physical athletes, have this historical advantage physically and, and socially and genetically in that sense. And they also do have, as you said, and if you want to expand further, steady rules. Do those two seem like fair assessments of where we stand today in the respect and and growth of sports? Yeah. I'm glad you brought up the, the actual physical limitations that esports have. So, recalling your pretty... Bl wide blanket statement slash stereotype of a typical gamer, right? Those stereotypes, you know, they're grounded on something. I'm a firm believer that stereotypes are grounded on something, whether it's right or wrong. People make them because of a reason. They don't exist just to, for people to be mean to each other. I think... Video games have an entirely, I should say this, gamers and the gaming social sphere is constructed entirely differently from athletes and the, that, that social sphere. And I'm glad you brought up the high school example because, of course, you can recall all of the popular Chads and, and Justins and, like, you know, all of those guys that were captain of the football team or one of the best receivers or one of the best linemen. And one of, one of the things that first comes to my mind is that gamers usually lack a social presence. 
and, and that's not that's not trying to be insulting. I mean, I'm a gamer myself. I'm pretty hardcore gamer. In my youth, I played you know upwards of 16 hours a day. You know, talk about addicted. And so, you know, just looking at myself and looking at how other people typically view it, I can easily see that why gamers are typically seen as you know really a, a social class of people that's almost looked down upon is because the essence of gaming itself is something that isn't social anymore. Maybe in the past, the only way you could have fun was going to an arcade. That's a social event. I could sit down and play League of Legends and not talk to a real human being, or (laughs) face-to-face, I should clarify. Uh, But for all of you who play League out there, you know, it, it could also be a question if they are even real human beings or robots at this point. But... I, I, I think that detachment lends itself to the type of sociality that is more deterrent than it is attractive. That isn't to say that esport players are bad people or aren't good socially. There's some esport players that I love watching. But that's the that's the guise that is thrown over that entire community, right? That's the mask they all wear. And I think it's by nature of how how you approach gaming. And I think if esports wants to slowly dismantle stigma, I think it's kind of happening because there's such a there's such a swing towards. Um, in my opinion, there's in modern America there's a swing more towards the left happening right now. It might be coming back to the right here pretty soon, but there's been. A greater sense of liberalization and left-leaning movements, and so I think these stereotypes aren't going to be taken as seriously. And you know, people go, "Oh, esports, sure, okay, fine, whatever." But I think to permanently destroy that, you know, gamers have to go beyond sitting in their room playing video games all day. I think that's just the blatant truth. Because what what do football players have to do? They have to talk to people face-to-face. They have to be likable because you're playing face-to-face. Because if, if one of your players doesn't like you or one of your teammates doesn't like you, uh, that it's a much more real and visceral problem because you have to talk face-to-face. And I'm a firm believer that electronic barriers make sociality an entirely different issue, right? Like, I don't... I'm not as nervous doing an interview over Zoom as I am in person. A Zoom interview is probably the easiest thing on planet Earth because, you know, if you're in your bedroom, you're like, this is cozy. I got my nice chair here, and I'm relaxing, I'm lounging. I mean, maybe you have to sit up so you don't look like a total goon and you dressed up, but we're removing these interactive facets of human social life that I think biologically, as you mentioned, we're kind of we're looking out for that stuff and gamers like that most gamers you know before we continue we'd like to make a quick announcement we run this podcast ad free of course with the trial version of spotify for example some ads are simply out of our control however we will never run third-party ads during the future of thought podcast this podcast acts to provide accessible, unhindered discourse for all who listen. Because of this, we rely on you, the listener, to support this podcast. Support us by visiting our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the future of thought and selecting the tier of your choice. Regardless of how much or how little you choose to donate, you are a greatly appreciated listener. Now let's get back to the podcast. I like that you brought that point. You even expanded it further than I was thinking about it, and and I'm glad you did. That's a really important point. Uh, the point of the interview, for example, which is funny, and, and maybe this is not representative, but I actually much prefer in-person interviews than I do over Zoom. Uh, I don't know if that says anything about me or about you or just happenstance. You know, Maybe I've done more or I happen to have a good experience. Who knows? Uh, what forms how we are today. Uh, but it's interesting because I suspect you're right. You, and this can be expanded further into the world of anonymity online and 
how people can post such hateful things they would never say in person because they're behind a screen. But just generally speaking and applying it to sports, I suspect you're right. You don't have to to form these social connections that whether or not they are required to be a moral person, that's a different argument, but they are in fact a vital facet of all of human history up until, what, 20 years ago? The World Wide Web was founded in 89, maybe. Uh, This is so recent and so new, and evolution doesn't work this way. Humans have not evolved any differently. So it's an interesting conversation of it's possible gamers, if they want to earn that respect, beyond simply monetary entertainment, because... There are plenty of people who have been entertained in the past or entertainees and they weren't respected, whether that has racial implications or otherwise. It might just be the case that they have to develop a social life, whether that's individually or through sponsorships or through television appearances and maybe through that, this personality type that's more common with a gamer will be more societally accepted than the personality type of the best athletes because we can generalize with fairly effective stereotypes who's an athlete who's a gamer and one's clearly preferenced over the other societally so i think you might be right they might have a disadvantage biologically and and socially this is super interesting to me because when i think about it i i look back right in order to play soccer and football, nine times out of ten, you need friends to form a group to go out and shoot some hoops or catch some ball. Or you walk up to a group of strangers and you're going to have to make a bunch of social displays if you want to be accepted. Gaming never has you do any of those interactions. You queue up. You get in a lobby, there are some random people you've never heard of in your life before, and you don't even know their names or what they look like, and you can say whatever the hell you want to them, you play the game and you move on, right? Whereas if I were to play football with a group of dudes, I probably wouldn't forget them, right? I'd go back in my head and be like, okay, so this was the, this was this guy, this was this guy, this was this guy, let's play some ball and, and have some fun. I think, I think social the social aspect to the sport has so much to do with it. Um, of course, physical sports have had hundreds, if not thousands of years of advantage over esports. but in order to better facilitate esports into everyday entertainment, I think I think a shift societally, in particular with the gamer social sphere, needs to happen. I think they need to become more sociable. And that's that's kind of hard because as we discussed by nature, it's kind of, you know, very alien to be personal with people you don't even know their real names or care about. Well, here's a distinction that we both have managed to walk over, I think, without addressing. Does it matter? And I, I suppose that it matters. I presumed it mattered in my last argument. But does it really matter if you are respected as much? Like, for example, to the gamers themselves. Um, do you care? Let's say you make the same amount of money as an NBA player someday because you have the same amount of viewership worldwide and it's accessible and all of these things. Does it really matter if society gives you a high enough regard? Because in a free enough fair enough capitalistic system, as you could call the West, you could call America, define it how you'd like, you're going to make as much money. And we know money is at least one major factor of social class. But if you don't get the other factors, if you only have the money aspect, does it matter? Do you need to be hailed as quite as famous? Let's say LeBron James is the best NBA player of the last decade or two. Does he have the same status as the best gamer in 200 years? Maybe not, but he might make the same amount of money. Does it matter? Does the gamer care? Does society care? Who cares? 
here's an interesting thing I've thought of while you were bringing this up. The most famous professional players in physical sports tend to move on, or even during, actually mostly during maybe the middle or end of their career, that's when they start building a brand. Or maybe if they're the hottest like player on the field right now, they could start that early in their career. But you build a brand, you have these connections, you create literal memes or dance moves that younger generations tend to follow because of your popula- popularity, because of how society sees you. I don't know what happens to professional esports players in the middle and end of their career, or even after they're done. And so, as of now, the society aspect doesn't matter because how I perceive it, right? And this is an interesting thing that we can go into depth in the future, or you could go into depth um, into the future with um, in further seasons, is, you know, what happens to esports players, right? Because I, there's not, I don't think there's a single brand that's like, ah, oh, we're the newest, you know, esports player's name here you know shoes you know i mean basketball has all sorts of shoes coming out um as a bad way to phrase that you know shoe companies come out with a lot of designs that are branded by popular and uh really good professional basketball players and i don't see any such thing i don't see any such like lineage afterwards well, let me stop you right there. Do you think that's because there's something inherent to esports, to gaming, that's different? Let's say the players don't have a retirement age because they can play as long as you want. Do you think there's something innate that leads to that? Or is it simply a product of its of its new existence? That the fact is none of the best players have really retired yet. Or some may have. Uh, but not many, or or something different. Maybe it's because it's not as well-known. It's not as popular. You can't build a brand if you're not as popular, regardless of what you're doing. Right. So do you think there's a, an inherent difference, or is it simply an economic difference, if you're even able to answer that? See, I'm, I'm not exactly sure, because like you said, you know, I think the first worlds, which is what the... Like I said previously, the, the big tournament for League of Legends, I think that was in 2000... Was it 2011? I think it was. So nine years ago. Nine years is not a lot of time. And most of the best players at the time were probably 16 to 19. And so they're still 20, 25 and under. So, or 28 and under. And so, you know, I think a lot of them are still playing. I actually don't follow the particular players a lot in esports. And yeah, this is this is super interesting. I never really thought about any of this in this way, in this particular manner. Like the the, the biggest thing that, that I can recall, there's this player named Faker, he's a Korean player for T1 Telecom, which is a Korean team. And I think one of the world's tournaments, he tumbled on stage. He did like a little roll. And that's the closest thing I can think of to like a a marketable, impressionable event that a character did. But other than that, you know, I, I got a little sidetracked there. But I, I'm trying to figure out what the answer could be as to the longevity of, of esports and its marketability versus real sports. And we're in the world of predictions right now. At this yeah. point, analysis only gets you so far. It's simply, let's unpack your brain or maybe mine, um, but you know you know esports more than I do, I would argue. What do you think's going to happen? You know, If there's any investors listening here and they want to follow in Mark Cuban's footsteps, should they do it? And if so, what will that look like? Here, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking League of Legends might not be the game that carries esports all the way from its creation to the peak of its popularity. There, I think there's going to be another game that comes out that is going to take the competitive elements of League of Legends, the stability that I think a lot of players 
think is missing from games like League of Legends. Valorant's another game that came out. Also by the same company who made League of Legends. Every time they introduce a, a new character, every time they change a character, everything else changes. It's a huge uh, domino effect in these games to change a character and to add one. It's, you know, analogous to what I said earlier, it's you're, you're changing the backbone of the game. Whereas, you know, basketball and football, like you said, you know, the goal is still the same. And... See, I, I should clarify because I, you know, I poked a little hole in my logic there. The goal in these games is still the same: to defeat, you know, the enemy team's inhibitor is, or not inhibitor, nexus is what it's called in League. And in Valorant, you're supposed to plant a bomb. If you know what Counter Strike Global Offensive is like, then you know exactly what Valorant's like. <clears throat> but that changing a character or adding a character changes your entire toolkit. Right, it's like I think I think the best way to think of it is if you were playing basketball, adding a character is like changing the basketball to a football, and you still have to get it through the hoop. Changes things a whole lot, or it's like allowing you to travel. Right, that's kind of like game breaking. Right, it's questionable whether you'd call that basketball anymore. And so, I think a game needs to come out that is stable enough to the players and unique enough so that you can strategize endlessly with the, the tools the game gives you. So that way it has longevity. It's entertaining to watch because it requires actual skill and logic and, and, and practice to master. And it's not changing so often as to basically wash away old players and only be accepting new. I think it's worth keeping an eye on. I really do. I think as humanity becomes more in touch with technology, we rely on it more, use it more. Um, it's not to say that physical sports are going to go away, but I think it won't even be a competitor. It will be more like a side avenue of entertainment that doesn't take viewership from physical sports, but creates its own following. And so... I think it's still growing, regardless of what people say. I think it's still growing right now, especially in like South America and uh, Latin America. Countries down there are actually, I think, growing faster than any other country when it comes to popularity of esports. Uh, even Southeast Asia, uh, I think, like Malaysia, Taiwan, um, obviously South Korea. Uh, I think we're in a country that isn't. It is probably one of the biggest regions. But in terms of growth, isn't the most absurd to look at. I think you'd have to look elsewhere in the world. So it sounds like esports. Let's just take it as its own separate thing from sports in the traditional sense. Let's just argue it's separate for a second. It sounds like the onset of traditional sports. You have a bunch of sports, and only the good ones last. And right now, we're trying them out. Who knows? I, for anyone who plays video games, it, it may sound absurd to think, well, one one type of video game is going to last you 50 years in the same way that one sport like basketball could last 50 or 100 years. But it might not be unreasonable. Do you think? At some point, the human eye can't see any better than, what is it, 8,000 pixels on a screen or something like that. At a certain point, you can run something that's indistinguishable from an animated reality or a real reality, uh, at a certain point, do you think it's possible that we will stabilize? There will be three different games, let's say, basketball, football, and, and tennis, just to pick three examples, of the video game esports world, and those could just last. They may have minor tweaks, but they will have solidified rule sets, and if that's the case, would you argue... We're simply in that youth. We haven't figured out what that'll look like yet. We're just early on. All right. So I think the equivalent of like the basketball, football, and tennis, or whatever the three most popular sports are, for example, in America, which I think are basketball, football, and maybe baseball. I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, soccer's in there as well, I'm sure. I think their equivalents right now are 
League of Legends, probably, maybe, uh, it, see, this is where it gets tough, because Overwatch, I think, has died out in terms of an eSport. Uh, you could maybe argue Valorant or maybe CSGO. The, the other games, I'm not too sure on, but... Well, that's okay. I, I'm not asking about specifics now, and people listening but you, don't know you're the t- games. You're talking about what might, you know, what might have to happen for the equivalent of those to pop up, because I already yeah. stated that League of Legends might not be that. Right, right, but do you think that, unless I you already said this and I just misunderstood you, do you think they will develop in the same way? Outside of social norms, they will develop three great games, like the basketball, football, soccer, or tennis, whatever. Will they just hit That's this point where they plateau and this is the game everyone plays for 50 years? And then it dies out or it stays around for another 50 years. I think that's possible. I think that's totally feasible. I think League of Legends got very close, and I think they missed the mark because of the two reasons we've already talked about. And this, I'm saying this, I'm kind of regurgitating this because this lends itself to what needs to happen for a game that I think will be that to be created. And that's to create an actual decent social culture. Right, because League of Legends players, if you play the game, it's like a Modern Warfare 2 lobby every game. You're like, holy Christ, are these people human? <laughs> if they are, there's no empathy in their hearts. And for those people listening who don't know what Modern Warfare 2 lobbies are or what that means, explain that. Um, so I'm referring to a Call of Duty game, Modern Warfare 2, that was popular how many years ago do you think? Maybe a decade ago? Yeah. I'm not sure. Maybe like 2010, 2009, 2011 or 12. In that time frame, um, a Modern Warfare 2 lobby is analogous to a very toxic and very uncontrollable environment of belittlement and, and, and chaos. Okay. So in these lobbies, you'd have people with microphones back-talking each other, um, being a meme in, in the sense that they're not there to try to play the game or have fun. They're trying to mess with the people or be complete dipwad. And so the same thing can be seen in League all over the place. And I think that's just a gamer environment. That's a gamer culture problem. That needs to be resolved if we want to have a game that is so competitive and so compelling enough to continue on for decades. I think it one of the core things that will help support that future would be a culture that isn't so destructive. The next thing, an unchanging rule set, is what we've clearly discussed. And so I think that's highly possible. Any game company that looks at League of Legends and knows what it does wrong should easily be able to come up with a game that can become the baseball or the football of electronic sports, in my humble opinion. I think all you have to do is look at what League of Legends does, do the two things it fails to do no matter how what your game is as long as you can make it compelling in terms of having a complicated rule set and having you know a very high skill ceiling then you can make a forever lasting esport as long as you can market it correctly so that that's my humble opinion so maybe keep your eye out on something like that so what you're saying then to say this super generally and hopefully not out of context in any way if you should invest in video games, now is the time to do it. Yeah, I, I think now would be a good time to invest. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, I learned a lot from this conversation. Uh, I, I don't know enough about what the future holds to really unpack it much further, and I suspect you're in a similar boat because you can only know so much about now, and obviously you can't predict the future, right? But this would be a very interesting topic to revisit uh, on this podcast, sure, but just generally as, as a society, whether in five years, 10 years, 30 years, and use history as the best science we possibly can have, the best experiment you can have, let's say, and see how it developed and, and how it parallels athletics, you know, traditional sports, because we are in a new era. The information age is upon us. Uh, Kaywin and I just watched The Social Dilemma yesterday. And if you haven't watched that uh, docudrama yet, I recommend you watch it. There's a lot of truth in that that people don't don't realize. 
we're just in a crazy era. And video games or esports or, or however these end up being defined in the future, uh, or virtual reality, which we didn't even touch on today, the idea that you put on a headset and you think you're really in that world, this could be the future of entertainment or the future of interaction. Who knows? Um, yeah, do you have any uh, closing comments on what people should know about the gaming community? let's say, any misconceptions that you think could be righted or better understood that would help build a bridge between common society, quote-unquote, and gamers? So uh, I'll make the closing remark something like this. So I've played games ever since I was six years old. I had like a little leapfrog tablet when I was little, and I'd play Frogger on it. And then after that, I'd play MMOs, massively multiplayer online games. When I was like 9 to 12, I would play MMOs. I would play like Grand Theft Auto, San Andreas. I'd play Grand Theft Auto, um, Vice City. I'd play all the older games too. I'd play all sorts of crap. And I played them nonstop. And was it a problem? Well, when you're a kid, you can get away with a lot of crap, but... I think it's dangerous to assume that all gamers, or I could even say most gamers, are socially awkward people who don't know how to carry themselves. I went through some things in life. I'm sure most of these people also went through things in life that should teach you all the social awkwardness that you ever want to know in life. And from that, you'll learn how to handle it, how to be, you know, a good human. I think a big misconception is that gamers are, like, not serious people that like messing around with other people and being an overall asshole. I think that's part of a problem that people don't see. And that problem was covered in the movie The Social Dilemma, the, the docudrama that you mentioned. And it's that the internet, social media, all of these things are heavily intertwined with the gaming sphere. And when you're surrounded by that all day, you're going to adopt a very toxic and short-term, you know, emotional lifestyle. Even though deep down, you might have all it needs or all it takes to be a good person. And so, you know, there's a bunch of assholes I've met in League of Legends that, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, how... How do these people function in real life? It's probably because they actually probably could be good people. But as soon as you enter the screen, you can throw that shit out the window. That seems to be a phrase I say a lot nowadays. But <laughs> but don't, don't assume that all gamers are like this to their core. I think that's a safe assumption, or rather a safe correction to what's typically a very very widely used assumption. So, you know, everything in moderation, I guess, is ultimately what I'm trying to get at after all of that. And don't be so quick to judge people if they play video games a lot. I think it's a new hobby that's being introduced, that's exploring realms of human psychology we've never had to deal with before, with short dopamine response times and, and all of these feedback loops that physical sports didn't have and so with that i urge you all to to always look at each other with the most open perspective and to treat each other with the respect and and really the the love that i hope me and colton share with our dialogue with all of you and always be open to change your mind and of course Thanks for listening.